This is Tales from the Pros, where business leaders and influencers share their stories of inspiration, struggles, and successes. And I'm your host, Michael Giorgio. This is Michael Giorgio, co-founder of Imagine Ovation and your host from Tales from the Pros on this beautiful Friday afternoon. I have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Katie Jones, and she's the Chief Marketing Officer at FoodLogic, uh, or CMO, if you guys don't know. Uh, FoodLogic actually provides traceability, food safety, compliance, and supply chain transparency software solutions. And they also help restaurant owners, or operators, food rail- retailers, consumer packaged goods, companies and other companies achieve end-to-end traceability while supporting safe and high-quality food products across the supply chain. And uh, Katie's going to talk more about that. It's a bunch of words, but don't worry. She's going to talk more <laughs> about that later. Um, so really the topic today, Katie, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, it's an yeah. honor. Good to have you. I know you're so busy, crazy busy, <laughs> um, but it's great to have you in here. And I just want to talk today about the, the overall topic is your journey as a CMO. Um, and really the struggles you overcame, getting to where you are today, helping future marketers uh, establish themselves, make, you know, make good, wise decisions, strategic de- decisions, and just get them to a successful point. So uh, thanks again. This is uh, Michael Giorgio again from Tales from the Pros. And so Katie, what really caught my attention uh, before I asked you on this interview is I saw that, number one, uh, I saw you guys on VentureBeat. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Uh, and you guys were basically one of the top 25 most innovative ag tech startups. And even better, you were awarded 2017 uh, Triangle Business Journal C-Suite Award. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Because that's what caught my attention. That's why you're here. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. No. Um it was a it was a great award. It was the inaugural year that mm-hmm. the TBJ gave that award out, and I was honored uh, to be recognized along with uh, the CMO uh, Susan at Bronto. Uh, Bronto, yes, nice, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great, and they're like Oracle too, right? Yes, yeah. uh, recently acquired by or- nice. Oracle. Yes, uh, so a phenomenal uh, company to be in, obviously. And it's been an amazing journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I set out to do marketing. I'm, I am doing exactly what I wanted to do at mm-hmm. Carolina. I was a journalism major. Started an agency life and then really uh, bounced around from uh, consulting firm to uh, academic research mm-hmm. at UNC Chapel Hill uh, before joining Food Logic was at the state's cancer hospital and ran our communications and marketing there. Made a pretty big pivot into yeah. tech and to grow. Food Logic started when we were about, I think, about eight employees. And, uh, and now we're nearing, with our contract development, nearing 50. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. So, did the Tribal Business Journal, I'm assuming they came to you. And, and they just asked you to, to, to it, be it was an application process. Yeah. So I put my name in the hat and uh, was thrilled to be selected. Mm-hmm. Were you nervous at all? Did you have to make any, any presentations? <laughs> I was, you or? know, I, I gave, uh, we had to give one piece of advice yeah. that we were given in our careers. And, uh, and mine was to, to dive in and do hard things. Don't, don't sit back really take that leap. And that's what I did when I joined Food Logic. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people in my career that said, you're crazy. You have this incredibly stable job and cancer research. Yeah. Uh, you're going to leave this to go work at a startup. Are you crazy? Uh, yes, I was. 
So, but it's really paid off. It has been an amazing journey the last two and a half years growing the business and, and now getting to the point where we have, um, in terms of opening our series B round and it's been, it's been great. Awesome. I'm going to ask you some questions about yeah, that sure. later, about the funding. Um, and so kind of jumping into your, your marketing role, what did you always have a passion for marketing or tell me a little bit about that journey? Certainly. Um, I think, yeah, as I mentioned, started uh, really with a focus in, in public relations. and mm-hmm. uh, But then really, my passion for marketing is really about just seeing how um, how you can really talk to the the customer that you have and make that connection and make that fit. The creative side of it has always been my passion, mm-hmm. whether that's messaging or design or the website. I always love yeah, to I see love it. how it comes together in the campaign. And I think that's where... I've been able to really see that come to fruition in my career to go from really at an agency just working on a couple of things from a tactical standpoint, but right. then to really see how the whole picture comes together as a CMO. That's been the most rewarding thing. So do you feel there are, I mean, are there certain steps someone has to take? I mean, I, I think when you're, when you're younger, like you're in college, you're not going to be like, oh, how can I actually be a CMO? I guess sometimes it could, some people, they might have that question. I would say more of the question is, is how do you really start a company and things like that? But you're going to need a, a chief marketing officer yeah. position in that company to help grow it. Um, I think that's very important, and that's why you're here. That, I'm a CMO of my company, um, as you guys know as well. But uh, what steps do you think someone has to take to get to the CMO position? Uh, obviously, education, I think, is a big part, but it may, may not even just be that. You know, I don't get me wrong. My undergrad education was incredibly valuable. I was a journalism major, journalism and mass communication, got a really great yeah. foundation, but really at the heart of it is the internships that you get in college. I think getting in, there's an abundant amount of opportunity for, uh, you know, junior seniors to go in, become an intern at an agency. I, I tell, uh, lots of, uh, Lots of, of, of young women and men that I meet to go yeah. <laughs> to go in the agency route because I think it gives you an opportunity to do a lot of different things. Right. And then you can really figure out where your passion lies. Um, and then also, even if you're going to then make a pivot into industry, you can figure out perhaps what industry is the best fit for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I think that just taking every opportunity that you have to get your hands in, never take an attitude or an approach of that's not my job or that's not my position. Like whether that is, and I think that's across the organization because if you can, for example, um, if you're at a tech company and work in customer success or help out in customer success to really Mm -hmm. understand the voice of the customer, that's going to, that's going to be incredibly powerful, um, in a marketing position as well. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, uh, you know, for me as being a CMO, my company as well, and I'm sure you can relate that from working with just different, different clients, uh, I think it's important for somebody to, when they're trying to become a CMO, they have to get their hands dirty, um, in the beginning, yes. because I think sometimes when you're, when you're in college, you want, you're thinking about, oh, how can I get to this high position? But you got to think about the hard work it takes to get there. You know, so you talked about SEO, talk about yep. website design, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. It's good to even not not saying you know be a developer. Obviously, that's a whole different position, but <laughs> be involved in that process. I think is huge. At least that's what helped me. Oh yeah, um, is getting your hands dirty working with your developers. Just for example, um, or trying to do a lot of research and implement SEO strategies. Because if you do the hard work yourself, then you're able to translate all that information, all that knowledge to. Do your employees? Absol- and, yeah, absolutely. You know? I think um, the other perspective that it gets you, gets you is you know what your team is going through as you grow as well. Exactly right. Yeah. So to I scale. mean, at, at Food yeah. Logic, I was marketing hire number one. 
So I, yeah. you know, and I was hired in um, as the VP of marketing, but, but I was a team of one. <laughs> and so yeah. literally day one coming in, uh, the website that they, that they did have at the time was built by the development team, which was a great website, but offered very um, minimal ability for us to make changes quickly. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing we did. We stood up a web, web a WordPress site in like yep. two weeks. Uh, we got HubSpot rolled out. We got HubSpot. inbound marketing working. <laughs> yep, uh, we yep. got, you know, we got a lot of things that, you know, what, what we could do at the time really yep. getting and getting the hands dirty. I think that's a great, great piece of advice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and did you think with all your marketing experience, did that allow you to kind of, this is where I want to get a little bit more into how you guys got, you know, you got some funding that mm-hmm. helped obviously you guys grow and scale and, and, and hire more people to, uh, you know, be the amazing company you guys are today. Uh, but in terms of that funding process, do you feel that your marketing experience helped you with that pitch or did you have to, you had to bring a lot of different minds together? Cause I know there's a lot of, you have a board, you have sure. a lot of people involved, yeah. but you think the CMO, the CMO role played a huge role in that process. Uh, you know, obviously the, the brand building that we did from day one helped significantly. Mm-hmm. So building up just the brand of food logic, we were, very lucky to have several flagship customers right out of the gate. So yeah. when we started, um, when our CEO Dean Wiltsey and I started, uh, including Whole Foods Market um, and several really you know great customers, in terms of the pitch, we were offered an amazing opportunity to present at CED in 2016. So we were on the main stage. And that's Center of Entrepreneurship Development. Correct. Here in, yes. Here in the triangle. Yes. Okay. And and that really really helped us hone our pitch. Mm-hmm. It was a six minute on stage presentation. You really have to break your story down and make it relatable to a more broader audience. You know, mm-hmm. when you're talking to a VP of food safety or a VP of supply chain, you can get a little bit more in the weeds. But right. when you're talking to an investor audience, you, they really have to get it. They really have to see the impact and the bigger picture very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And going through that process and working with CED, we got access to, uh, you know, essentially a network of investors, both yep. exposure, but then also real, real world um, feedback on that pitch. And that was mm-hmm. incredibly valuable for us. And after that, then taking, um, and opening the series B round, which we officially did in September of this year, or of last year, I'm sorry, of, of, uh, 2017 with renewal funds being the first funder in that. And then we're just a few weeks, uh, most likely away from closing that series B. Nice. And is that process long? Um, I mean, you from, know. From the initial, I mean cause so did you have to, Reach out to them first, or do I mean you guys? You guys were probably always getting a lot of attention. You're kind of in a niche space, niche product, SaaS sure. product. Yes. Um, did they ever come to you? They thought you might need, or did, obviously you're probably going to go to them. I'm assuming it was a little bit of both. Yeah. Certainly, um, we had a significant amount of interest uh, from awesome. the investor community. Lots of outreach, um, and then those events uh, like CED. We did another one that was more food focused out in San Francisco. Uh, so the events helped you guys get interest correct. from investors. Absolutely. Awesome. That's we, why I want and, people to and know. And as a part okay, of our cool. marketing strategy in 2017, we specifically targeted uh, investor-focused conferences. Okay. And there are several that are food-focused as well. And yeah. so that helped us build our network, get out there, get our story out there. We were able to also serve on a panel with our customers at those events. Mm-hmm. So not only were we able to just network and connect, but also get on the main stage with our customers and have them tell our story as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great, sounds good. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Sometimes I'm, I'm scared of like whether I, you always you always see these stories. You know, Shark Tank. Yes. <laughs> so you always see them, and they just brutalize some of these entrepreneurs who have these concepts. They're like, oh, you don't have a proof of concept. What are you even doing here? 
I mean, it's crazy, but yeah, I think, I know. you know, I, we, I've, we have had an incredible experience. Yeah. Uh, we've had some phenomenal interest and again, um, just been working with some really great partners. So we're really excited about the future. Yeah, absolutely. And you definitely have to, I mean, talking with a few um, investors here, like David Gardner, um, interviewed him a few months ago, and he was saying that you have to find an investor who definitely matches your vision. That's really important, right? It's yes. not just about the money. You can't just go after and say, oh, they're going to give you a million or two million bucks or whatever it is. Um, got to find one that actually, number one, who you can work with for yes. many years. So it's almost like, like hiring somebody. Right. Yes. They need to meet your culture. Completely agree. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned, renewal funds, they're a mission-based uh, uh, investment firm. They, uh, they were initial investor in, um, seven generation. Wow. Uh, they have, are they here? They're actually in, uh, British Columbia, Vancouver. Okay. Nice. Yes. Yes. All right. So hoping to get out there. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. I've been there. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I want to jump into, I know I, I made a spiel earlier about what you guys do. It's a lot of words. I want you to kind of simplify that yeah, sure. and tell everyone <laughs> really what you guys do. Um, and the branding and marketing that impacted and got you guys to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So, um, while we can't say this on our website, I like to say, uh, that we're the, uh, we're the FedEx of the food supply chain. Nice. So, uh, you know, we take, um, uh, essentially a barcoding technology and then at scan, our platform stitches together all of that data. And then mm-hmm. you get an end to end node based, uh, essentially visibility or, or visualization of your supply chain. So what that allows our customers to do at the grower level, they're labeling all of their products and then they're scanning it at the distribution center, and then they're scanning it at the end location. So let's say that's a restaurant. Okay. Our platform literally takes all of that data, stitches it together. If, for example, there's a positive E. coli outbreak or E. coli test at a grower, you can then trace forward and know exactly to the lot level exactly where that particular produce went. Wow. So today, when that uh, you know, current state... Uh, when they have, when you have an issue, essentially, you know, for example, there was an issue with romaine and leafy greens recently. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're put in a position where you're having to essentially toss potentially all of your product, which is not only, you know, very costly for a company, but it's just, it's really not an efficient way to manage your supply chain. So FoodLogic Connect is our platform. We're literally the platform for anything that you need to do across the supply chain with your food suppliers. So, For example, uh, we work with um, restaurant and food service operators that their brand claims are very important to them. Mm -hmm. You want to go into a restaurant, you want to know that you're eating that grass-fed beef. Today, in today's current food supply chain, there are, you know, you need to know as a brand that you're delivering that grass-fed beef. And really, the only way to know that is to have your supplier upload that certification to know that that, that that is exactly what you're getting. Um, and, and you would be surprised, I think, at how archaic mm-hmm. the food space is oh, yeah. from a technology My, my mom owns a bakery. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, you yeah. Know. she knows it's, it's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you know. And I it think is. that's been, it's, we're ahead mm-hmm. of the industry, uh, but we are working with the industry leaders in the space. Uh, we're working with Subway, Chipotle Mexican Grill, cool. Whole wow. Foods Market, um, and and a, just a variety of other food service operators, and uh, and growing into the consumer packaged goods as well. And Haynes Celestial is another customer. Of ours. That's crazy. Yeah. So there's, I mean, you could definitely see a huge demand in this space. 
It is. You know what I mean? There's, there's a significant there's some gray areas that there, need to there, be. Yeah, there is a significant yeah. amount of demand. There's also a heavy amount of change management that has to come with that. And mm-hmm. so we are we're uniquely positioned to not only roll out a technology, but also to provide the support and the managed services to go along with that. So mm-hmm. it's it's a there's a significant opportunity for Food Logic. What was it like, you guys building your? I mean, building your product. Like, did you have any? Were there a lot of struggles in terms of the actual implementation of the software? Because I know. From you know us being a software development company as well, there's so many. I mean, you have to make sure that I mean, get just getting the data right, um, yes. making sure it's it's tracking everything, making there's just so many different moving parts in there software are. development. I want you to talk a little bit about that process as well. Were there certain obstacles you guys had to overcome on the product side of things? Certainly, I think yep. that uh, you know, as I mentioned, we had a couple of customers that were out of the gate partners with us, and they really helped us and guided us through that process. So, um, data quality is certainly a significant significant issue in any really in any mm-hmm. SaaS platform really. and security. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's where I think, you know, we've got a really great customer success team and we have, and really when we implement and we, when we roll out, we have to manage those expectations to say, mm-hmm. this is not going to be a light switch solution. This is not going to be something that you're going to roll out and immediately snap of fingers have farm to fork traceability. There's going to be some effort and a partnership that's going to need to be aligned in order to actually implement this program. That's what I say. I mean, our track and trace product is really, mm-hmm. you know, it's a SaaS platform on top of a program. And that's a critical piece. Uh, and that's why, that's why it's not done today. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not, I mean, if it were that easy, it would mm-hmm. have already been done. Uh, and I think that uh, it is getting easier as we're looking at innovations in labeling technology and maybe even having um, temperature monitoring or temp- temperature sensors cool. actually integrating that data into so it actually removes the human element of it. So there's a right. lot of different things that we're looking at. So like more automation, stuff exactly. like that. Take yes. the manual process out of it. Totally. That's the future. I, I, it I love it. Yes. I love it. So you, you understand it's it's always good. It's very important. I think not even just in product development in service at everything. Yeah. Always stay, stay with the tech trends. Yes. Do your research. Yes. Make sure you think ahead. Don't just you know, stay on television ads. And that's, you know, it's, <laughs> you know? we are a niche market. And, uh, and I think that we've been told customers have told us, mm-hmm. you know, you weren't, uh, the most inexpensive platform out there. Uh, we have some competitors in supplier management, a lot more in supplier management, yep. but that we were chosen because we're thinking about what's five years from now, what's 10 years from now, not just, you know, really what's, what's, you know, the next six months were really visionary in that way. And, and, and again, really linking arms with our customers hand in hand to, yeah. to, to get there. And what were, I know we, before the, um, bef- before the interview, kind of what we were talking a lot about webinars and marketing strategies, yeah. were you guys doing something different when you first started to now? Um, obviously now you're, you've scaled a lot more, you have 50, over 50 employees around. Um, do you feel that, it's you're going to implement your your marketing strategies is going to evolve like crazy over time. You think it just depends on the trends, or you, you feel? Let me know a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, certainly. So I was mar- marketing hire number one. So there was a again, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, there was a website, and I, I've. Not I yet. think that was, that was about it. I think they, there was, <laughs> there were some trade shows uh, that were attended, yeah. um, which is a very you know critical part of the the larger marketing strategy, but uh, zero digital zero SEO, zero social, hmm. um, really zero product marketing. Nothing to really drive traffic. Nothing, you just had the conversion yeah. tool. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, we had a, it was, it was nearly 
uh, 175% increase in our traffic from, uh, 2015 to 2016. Um, wow. I started end of 2015. So that was, and, and we had such an amazing opportunity because our competitors weren't really focusing on that. Mm-hmm. So we were solidly taking over keywords that were really kind of ripe for the picking. Um, and we now rank, you know, food traceability software, yeah, uh, yeah. food supply chain software is That's a little great. bit more competitive, but we are, you know, we are top three in a whole host of those. And now cool. going after more of a platform message, um, emerging technologies like blockchain, uh, really solidly yep. going after those as well. So you got to target like crypto, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause you know, people are searching that. Yeah, it's, it's totally. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that, you know, we are doing, you know, the, the real traceability now it's a matter of whether or not, you know, there's a potential, you know, integration into a blockchain technology that's going across. It's still very, you know, young in the food space and emerging, mm-hmm. emerging, but we've got to keep our eye on it. We've got to look at it and, and build a strategy around it. Yeah. And is, uh, do you feel like event marketing now, now that you have your rankings, you have your website solidified, everything's, you know, you're, you're getting a lot of traffic, you're converting them. Um, do you feel now you're kind of doing a lot more branding? So my question before sure. is really, and you didn't answer it, but yeah, I kind of want people to know, you know, they, I think a lot of, cause we deal with a lot of startups and they want to do so much stuff. They want, Oh, I want to do this, that, this, that. They don't stay focused. And sometimes we have to guide them and tell them guys, you know, um, I wouldn't focus too much on the story of your company right now or the message or it might be, it depends on, I'm just sure. showing you examples. It depends on their business, but they want to do so much. So basically like, it seems like you guys are, you've, you've, you have built the website, you generate lots of traffic, you have clients, you have, you have a awesome client base you're credible um and then now you're really trying to solidify your message to the to the audience to your people you're doing more branding more global branding now. totally is that kind of absolutely no i mean i think when we started it was clear we had i mean we looked at the opportunity yeah really you know we we got you know we got we got moz and sem rush and we started looking at all our competitors and Mm -hmm. we're like there is literally just a significant amount of opportunity here and so let's focus on that we also had no budget really. And so there were things I think that naturally you kind of, you know, you can lean towards with a, you know, with a, with a lower budget and, yep. and trade shows are expensive. That's right. And, um, and so as we were able to get, you know, sign more customers, get more funding, uh, we added, uh, more of those in, but really still mm-hmm. being very strategic in in what we're doing and how we're doing those. So for example, there may be a show that we we're just going to send a salesperson or two. We're going to boots on ground, just right. network and connect <laughs> and shake hands and, yes. and maybe not have the, you know, significant expense of a, um, of a booth and things like that. And there were also some events that we just needed to ask. We asked our customers, where are you going? What events are you going to? And we found out about, you know, executive level events that you can essentially, you know, Perfect. buy a ticket into, uh, and get our CEO in the door mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, and then really network that way. So you relied a lot on analytics. You looked yeah. at what's working, yeah, what's absolutely. not working. That's good. Strategic. You and did, that would yep. be, I think the biggest thing, the biggest piece of advice that I would have is immediately, always be thinking about how you can tie to revenue. Mm-hmm. How can you tie uh, what you're doing and the actions that you're doing to pipeline generation and to opportunity creation for I the sales agree. team? Because otherwise, it's, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're not going to be able to go into your boardroom and justify the expensive marketing. You have to be That's able right. to show how you're drawing that line to revenue. Yeah, I, I, um, when you were saying that, actually, it's pretty crazy because, you know, back in the day, years ago, when we started... And even when we work with other clients, they did the same thing sometimes. Uh, they would just socialize. They, they, did, they, they just said, oh, let's just go on Twitter. But they, don't like, they didn't realize they, – they, did, they didn't do enough research um, and they didn't and write anything down. No strategy, nothing like that, no data. 
uh, and they just said, oh, let's just put things on Twitter and Facebook and see if it makes money, right? And I'm not saying you need to try new things, right? Trial sure. is huge in marketing. It's, it's huge. But I think do, by doing that research and planning, just writing things down, even asking people, mentors, all these different things are going to give you the give you the data yeah. to make a good decision of how you can um, implement a marketing strategy and thus make money from it. Because yeah. you, we can do all this marketing and you get nothing from it. There's no ROI. Yeah. So yeah, I no, I, I think, you know, when you have that data, you can make a quick shift in your strategy with mm-hmm. that information. So yeah. at one point, uh, about six months in, we kind of looked that PPC really wasn't generating pipeline. We were getting great leads, numbers, right? Numbers at that top of the funnel, but yeah. it actually wasn't converting. And so because at that point, I think I had hired an additional person and we were a team of two. And so we said, okay, let's hold back a little bit on, let's pull back a little bit on PPC, which made, made our top of the funnel leads go down, yeah. right? But we were able to drive higher quality of leads, higher quality of pipeline once we were able to shift more on organic. And organic search is still the number one pipeline generation for us as a company. People um, don't want to click ads. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they see you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, so pay-per-click marketing is, I think, really important. Uh, and you can do it on Facebook, yeah, Google. Yeah, I think even Twitter offers it yeah. now, or they did actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still do it. Uh, LinkedIn has it. YouTube, right? It's really powerful. It's just more targeted, but it's just more expensive. Totally. And we did. You know, we are still doing PPC when once we got the additional staff and time and yep. you know to dedicate towards it, but just kind of throwing a bunch of money at it without actually knowing if it's resulting in you know mm-hmm. the end result that you want. I think that's, again, going back to the analytics, you'll be able to make those decisions with that data. Yeah. So with all your marketing experience, what what's, what struggles do you think, not even just CMOs, but I think a marketing department has over growing a company? <laughs> like, even just name a sure. few. Like, what struggles do you think are, what big struggles do you think are common yeah. for most marketing people? Uh, you know, I think as we've grown, uh, keeping let's say the kind of control over your brand. So, you know, we've added, we've grown uh, so much that, you know, we have a a templates, template slide deck, for example. Mm. But when you start to really add and significantly scale like customer success and uh, sales, there's this significant need to like, okay, now we solidly need branding guidelines, right? You get, and, and I think that's the thing when you're a startup and you want to hire really solid, hardworking entrepreneurial people, mm-hmm. they're going to make it up themselves, right? Like if they don't... <laughs> yeah, you're completely so, right. I, I agree. And so you need to yeah. like, okay, I don't want to review every single sales deck that goes out. That is not something you right. know, that I want to put myself <laughs> in a position to do, but you want to be able to provide the resources. So that was, you know, we hired, our most recent hire was really in product marketing sales enablement because we did not have a specific position for that. So now we're a team of seven. And, and that person really, that's is, your marketing team. Yes. Nice. Yes. Okay. And, um, we're going to really, you know, focus on that. And then I think the getting, um, just messaging solidified across the organization as you're growing, it's a continual battle. Every new person is an opportunity to make sure that that voice is consistent and the branding is consistent. And so making sure that you're staying on top of that as you're growing, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, there's inevitably the sales and marketing, you know, you know, alignment and tension that is naturally there. You want yeah. to keep each other accountable. And, and that's, that's, I think that's really a healthy tension and a healthy relationship so that 
we're constantly challenged to provide the, the highest quality of leads, and right. we're constantly pushing to make sure that you know follow up is there and and uh, and the messaging is on. Yeah. Do you feel like there's sometimes a clash between sales and marketing? <laughs> I, you know, I have a... Sometimes I, there are, sometimes no, with us there yeah, is. Sure, no, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we have a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal head of uh, sales. And so what we did actually was uh, the sales development reps come report into marketing. And so they're there really to just help further the qualification of that lead. And what that allowed the enterprise reps to, to do is to not have to... Um, do as much qualification so that the leads that they receive are more ready for them to have a conversation with. Before yeah. we added the SDR, every single inbound demo request from our website was going directly to an enterprise rep. So, you, you know, you, you, you target and you hope for the highest level of quality, but you're still going to get that grad student, you know, who's interested in our platform right. requesting a demo. And so adding that SDR and, and an amazing uh, person that we've added to our team, um, I call him the Terminator because I literally think he just never stops working. But um, we have but, a few of those. Know, <laughs> adding that person and then really helping alleviate so that yeah. the closers can really do what they're meant to do, which is close business. Mm -hmm. You're you got to think of it this because we have these conversations as well. I, I mean, I've moved a little from sales to now strictly they're just marketing the company, but um, and running the business. But I think like. Well, I get this question a lot, um, and I feel like the marketers really are the ones that are, I mean, we're really the ones bringing in a lot of leads. I'm not saying that sales don't. Sure. They do. They have lead, their outbound lead generation, but we're the inbound people. Sure. We're the ones who are bringing in, converting the business, you know, like, like a mm -hmm. website, and then we pass it off to the yeah. to the sales people, and they're the ones who they handle the, right. you know, the closings, the follow-ups, like you said. So I think they definitely go hand-in-hand hand when you kind of need them. Uh, but... So I would say, like, do you have certain tips that you would give to future marketers in terms of things that they need to be aware of to be successful? Um, and I, I don't really want to touch too much on education or anything yeah, like sure. that because I think a lot of marketing people can be very successful without a degree. At least I, I, agree I, I, I have a lot of friends that don't have a degree and they're so smart. I'm just, I feel like they're, they went to Harvard or something like that. It's crazy, but um, that's the best university I can do. Uh, you right know, I think, I think you just you know, you have to have a, a marketer's mind mm -hmm. really to be, to be a marketer. And, and I don't think there's, you know, any amount of education that kind of can kind of give you that. So, yeah. No, I think, you know, in terms of, of things that you can do to kind of grow and, and to help, um, kind of prepare yourself. I, I really, I think at the end of the day, like just an, an incredible, understanding of your market an incredible understanding of your customer. And mm -hmm. that's going to take getting out there, reading, self-educating, talking yes. to your customers as much as you can really getting out of outside of the marketing department, yeah. talking to, you know, the people that are interfacing with your customers every day, you know, and not, you know, maybe the executive level, like the, the real, <laughs> you know, in the, yes. in the weeds um, and really understanding, I think particularly at a growing company. And I think that's the beauty of working at, um, a smaller company is that you can do that. You have the ability to do that. I mean, I think you could do that to a certain extent at a larger company, but mm -hmm. you know, when you're, when you're small and it's all hands on, it's really whoever can do whatever. <laughs> 
And, yeah. and I think that people that are able to recognize that opportunity and take advantage of it, I think are going to significantly see their career grow faster. Yeah, I agree. And uh, do you ever listen to um, Gary Vaynerchuk? Mm-mm. No, Gary no, the, I know the name. Oh, you got to follow him. He's okay, awesome. awesome. He's so good. Um, and you listen to like Tony Robbins, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But Gary V, he says a huge part of marketing as well is being self-aware. Yeah. Right? Understanding, being mindful of the market. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is understanding the tech trends. And yes. kind of jumping into that as well. We live in Raleigh. Tech is booming here. Sure. There's, I mean, it's an amazing place to live. And it's just one of the biggest uh, tech areas in the country. It's actually becoming, uh, from what I heard, it's going to be like a top, I think right now it's a like top five tech um, place, tech areas in the country. It's becoming like the Silicon Valley of the East Coast in the next like 10 years. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a big, that's kind of a stretch. <laughs> but um, where do you feel tech is going right now? I know we, you know, you guys know about artificial intelligence, obviously, sure. and security, data security is huge. But where do you feel in your experience it's going. Yeah. Do you think it's automation or what you know, you... I think, I mean, just in the, you know, speaking specifically in the food space, yeah. the, the, you know, the automation space is significantly growing and, um, and really, you know, I mean, you know, big data was the, the big word, you know, a yeah. number of years ago. And, and I think now it's really about, um, easing the, you know, the, the human burden and the human error. I think that also comes into, for example, mm-hmm. um, one of our customers, uh, Seal the Seasons, uh, they're they're a uh, North Carolina-based uh, frozen produce company, but they're growing significantly mm-hmm. and they're growing so quickly. They're looking at these really creative ways to actually uh, remove the um, uh, the human from actually taking the top off of a, of a berry. So right now, wow. most, of the, most of the time in the field, they're literally, you pick a berry and you kind of take your little knife and you take the top, uh, the little you know green part off of yeah. the berry, right? So he's looking into actually this this tumbler machine of of sorts that's literally going to after that berry is frozen pop that you know green top off of the berry like it's those little steps. It's, it's crazy. Not, it's wow. not only from an efficiency standpoint; it's actually reduced reduces the likelihood of uh, foodborne illness because you're removing the kind of the human touch. So you see all of this machinery and automation and like crazy amounts of robotics in the mm-hmm. food space now where you know you're able to really remove that human touch and that removes the likelihood that there's going to be some type of you know cross contamination from a safety standpoint as well yeah it's crazy it's just these little things i know isn't it <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> um i want to jump the gun a little bit here and kind of talk about just on a higher level i know before the interview we we're talking about struggles in terms of what it Yes. What it, it takes to get to get here, um, and I told you about even working overnight. You know, sure. working with outsourcing teams. I told you we were working four, yes. four o'clock in the morning right. uh, for four years. What are some struggles? I want to hear some stories. <laughs> so, what's some struggles that you guys went through? You were there since the, really since the beginning of sure. logic. Is that right? Yes. Um, and what were some things you guys had to overcome? Even not just marketing, just as a team. What things did you guys go through? And how did you really overcome them? You know, I think... Because every company is different. Certainly, certainly. I think we had uh, some struggles in in finding the right fit from a, a sales team perspective. And I think that we... We, um, I think hiring is hard at that it's very stage hard. and it's yeah. so critical and delegating work. Yes. Delegating hard. work is hard. It's I've very personally hard. struggled with that as well. Yes. Um, 
but finding that right fit. So I think we had some evolution where we didn't quite hit the mark. And that was hard because you take Mm -hmm. such a step back, you know, but you have to really ask yourself the hard questions. Like, is this, you know, is this person or is this the team that is going to take us to that next level? And if the answer is, if you even pause, then it's time you know, to make a switch and yeah. you've got to find that yeah. right fit. And really every person on that team, you know, it's got to be an A player. They've got to put everything in. Right. Um, and I think that's, you know, that was, you know, I think that we've gotten there and it's, when you get there, it's just such a, you know it and it feels so great. And, uh, and then mm-hmm. you can really, you know, really move just much, much quicker. Kind of treat, they, they need to, they need to treat them, treat the company as their own. Yes. Because if, if they don't, you know what so, happens. You, they, they, it is. They're not. They're not. A lot of people. What I've noticed is they're not. Um, if you don't hire well, they're not proactive. Um, they might be reactive, but they don't. They kind of wait for yes. you to give them tasks. Sure. And what I've noticed that we're more strict in our hiring. I'm sure you guys are, are as well. You've had a lot, a lot of learning, like we have. And um, I think it's important to make sure, just like you're vetting a client, you have to vet them. Yes. And I think. See how, see if you can have a beer with them. See if you can hang out with them. And, and you know what I mean? Because you guys are going to do, a lot of our companies, they do all these events and things yeah. like that. Yeah. We want to make sure you guys get along. Oh, totally. We, the culture. Uh, you know, I guess it was about a year and a half ago, uh, almost two, we sat down and we uh, developed our core values as a company. I mean, we hadn't done that yet. Yeah. And, uh, and ownership was one of them. And that was it. You know, it was... Um, innovation, accountability, ownership. It was like really the, the core pillars mm-hmm. and, and those accountability and ownership were driven by that and that change that we needed to make as a company. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, naturally like that's going to happen. People are going to self-select and they're yeah. going to say, you know what, this life is not for me. And that sounded great and glamorous, right. but you know, <laughs> I need to move on and that's fine. And that you want that. I think you want that to happen naturally and you want people to kind of get there. And, and I think, you know, I've, yeah. Yeah. And do you think, so anything else other than hiring, do you think kind of, I would say, just because I, I know, I understand, I understand SaaS products, I understand it's hard, but even product development, we did touch on that a little bit earlier, um, but even I would say, what about just, I mean, staying in, the, just trying to find the right types of clients for your business, isn't that hard as well? It I is. Think that's what I figure is hard for a lot of companies, is finding the right type of client. It is. And I think that we... We thought everybody, there was never a time when there was an interest in the product. Right. There was a significant amount of interest. I think it was whether or not the use case was a specific fit. And I think that, um, and you go through this natural evolution where we, we never had to give away our software for free. We never had mm-hmm. to give the platform. You hear, you know, about this, you just, anybody, we'd right? Like, we'd have to go through right? that. <laughs> right. And so well, you start we were, from, yeah, you we have were to very through, lucky yeah. that we didn't, we didn't have to go through that, but you know, you, you think, okay, like this is going to be a great fit for this particular customer. And then you get through that process and you know, it wasn't quite the best fit, but you have to quickly learn from that process and quickly learn from kind of where the market. And really, I think it really boils down to market readiness. So we sold significantly more in food service because it's not a simple supply chain to say the least, but there aren't as many steps in the process as say a uh, uh, food manufacturer where you're taking raw materials and turning them into finished finished product that mm-hmm. then goes to onto you know an endpoint at retail. 
Yeah. So we naturally gravitated towards, I think there were a lot of market forces that also led to that, but, uh, but food service was really where we focused and started first. And we did that um, in a marketing uh, sense and really pointed our strategy in that direction because we also had more customers in that particular space as well. So we had more stories, more quotes, more testimonials. Um, now we're looking and, and adding retail and the CPG market as well this year. Cool. So you, you were never really in that position where you had to kind of, I wouldn't say, I'm not going to say beg for business, but people were coming to you. Yes. Clients were coming to you, big brands, I'm assuming. Yes. You guys have big brands now. Uh, but you never really just, you had so much, you were so credible. You believed in your software so much. You were, you were credible. You had an amazing product. The quality of work is, is very important is the product quality. Um, and you really had a lot of leverage. And yes. the, it seems like the clients knew that. See, not all, not, all, not all companies are in that position. Sure. That's why I'm asking this yeah. question because it's everyone, you know, just even dealing with a lot of startups and even larger companies, they feel they have to give some stuff for free to get that business. And I, I like to get in your mind, understand what it's certainly, like. Yes, totally. Yeah. And you know, don't get me wrong. We certainly did. You know, we never really opened up a trial, um, but we would, we would do, uh, you know, kind of, uh, okay, we'll open up an environment and, you know, let, or, or we'll take that data and put it in and then show it to you and then show you, show to, you know, this information or the platform to your execs. Right. We certainly did that. Um, but I actually saw that just more of a critical part of the sales cycle in, a really immature market. So you have to be able to show them there there's, you know, there's really nothing else out there like this. So we're not coming in and replacing a platform or a software. We are, we are a net new, uh, for many, many companies. And so we needed to be able to show them what that end game looked like. And that was a way for us to do that. But, um, now that we have, you know, more of a network, more customers, they're talking to one another and, and we're seeing that natural referrals, you know, the referrals start to happen across the industry, which is just this beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, like I told you, I consider you a business leader. That's why I'm reaching <laughs> out to you. This is really what this podcast is about. It's interviewing business leaders and their stories. And uh, more on like a business note, you, for me, considering you as a business leader, um, what do you, would you give any, what tips would you give to future business leaders in terms of like just work ethic, um, or passion or drive, uh, some of these different elements is it a combination of them you think, or is it just a few different ones? Um, you know, I talk, I have two boys and I talk, uh, I use this word a lot with them, uh, grit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I think, you know, it is really, you just have to get in there and mm-hmm. just keep going. And even, I mean, even when you feel like, oh, I cannot, you know, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I'm just going to take that, you know, it's hard. Uh, Fortune 500 corporate job, <laughs> just don't do it. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think that's, that's really the word that I use the most in terms of when I look at successful entrepreneurs who have yeah. really done this amazing thing. Just keep going. Keep doing it. Yes. Yes. So just having that fight. Yeah. And, and you know, this, I love that you said that because all the people I'm interviewing, a lot of them, they say the same thing. I mean, that has to mean something, right? Yeah. Um, it's just having that. It, it's like persevering. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're going to have to overcome a lot of, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of walls you have to break through. And, um, I was actually telling Scott Wingo this, I was like, you either break through it, you go around, you find mm-hmm. a way to go around yep. it, or you build a tunnel or something, <laughs> but there's a way to get past that wall. And that's what you're talking about is that grit. It's that like, that's just willingness to fight no matter what, yes. because you believe in your company that much and your business. Um, you know how to provide value. You know that you're making a difference in the world. And I think it, a lot of it comes back to, um, for me, not just in, you know, gr- uh, grit or 
work ethic, a lot of it is intention, like your motive. Yes. Why are you doing this? Like, what's your why? Uh, no, I think, you know, uh, you know motive and with, with the passion driving that, because I think that comes out yeah. and it seeps through everything that you do for me personally, my oldest son has a tree nut allergy and I have to go into every restaurant and read every label and always question whether or not he can eat something. And, and he's mm. 10 years old and he can, he can self-select and he reads these labels as well. So I'm really passionate about the food supply chain and the transparency and opening cool. up the awesome. visibility in that. And, and also I think you're seeing this amazing growth and amazing increase in the number of, of companies who are seeing this and seeing this as an opportunity and, uh, particularly snack foods and CPG companies that are, that are developing lines specifically that are allergen free. Mm -hmm. So the kids don't have to worry about that. Parents don't have to worry about that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really passionate about it. I could tell personally. <laughs> I, when I talked to when we're talking about this, I could see it in your face. Um, and so I just took a few things to close out. I ask everybody this. So three questions. I call them the three hows. Okay. Right? So how do you define failure? How do you define entrepreneurship? And how do you define success? I'll start with failure. <laughs> uh, failure is a blessing. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it is an absolute necessity in life. And I think that it's something that you, you have to dive into because, you know, if you're not, if you're not falling down, you're not going anywhere period. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just, I see every failure and I've had many, <laughs> yeah. um, as just a way to learn and to move and to keep going. I think I'll go back to my earlier word. I think entrepreneurship is grit. I think it's really, it's getting down in there. I think it's getting in, in not necessarily in the weeds, but really just, um, moving things forward at, you know, um, at all costs. Mm -hmm. And then it's not just, and it's go on to talk about entrepreneurship. It's not just about your idea. Okay. Right. Yes. Is, is that right? Yeah. Can no, you with that? I, I it's mean, more about your personality. It's you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. No, I mean, I, I would define when I talk about, we've had some entrepreneurial people, it's right. really just finding a solution around mm -hmm. whatever barrier, you know, is put in front of I you. I agree. Yeah. 100%. yeah. Uh, and then success. Gosh. Uh, I think success is, you know, is, is attaining a goal rooted in your integrity. I think if you can, if you can really get to the point where you want to go and then feel good and look at yourself in the mirror and feel really solid about what you've done. I think that's success. Cool. I love that. I love everyone has a different answer <laughs> for some of them. Yeah, sure. Um, so where can, where can people find you guys? Yeah. Website? Certainly. Yeah. yeah. So we're uh, food logic, www.foodlogic, F O O D L O G I Q.com yes. and uh, Twitter handle at food logic. And then we're very active on LinkedIn. Obviously we're a B2B. So you can find us on our page on, on the link LinkedIn as well. Cool. Yeah. Katie, thanks a lot for being with us. Absolutely. Thank yeah, you so much, pleasure. Michael. Yes. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thanks again. Uh, this is Michael Giorgio host from tales from the pros. Thank you so much.